What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DFS MVP podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Matt Savoka. Welcome to season seven of the DFS MVP episode 169. If you're new to the DFS MVP podcast, we are a strategy-based NFL DFS podcast, giving you our favorite picks every week on FanDuel and DraftKings. And on top of that, we go over a theory segment ranging from the macro to the micro, trying to make you a better DFS player, not just telling you who to play in DFS. This week, we're going to be discussing the concept of leverage in GPPs. Before we get into it today, make sure you're checking out all of our other shows. Matt and I do a cash review every Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That is here on YouTube. Every Saturday, Matt Harmon of Yahoo, him and I do a DFS Yahoo strategy podcast that comes out Saturday on the DFS MVP platform, as well as the Yahoo platform. DFS Last Look with Jordan Vanek, that is every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That is on our DFS subscriber-only Discord, so make sure you're getting signed up for the Discord uh, for that. If you haven't signed up for the DFS subscription yet and you want to get into that Discord, go to 444.com, use the promo code DFS MVP for 10% off. The price is down to $74, so you get an extra 10% off that. And if you're listening to this, if you've already done your fantasy football homework for the week, why not do that homework and take all of the hard work to turn into real cash with prize picks? Simply pick two or more players, decide if they will go over or under their stat projection. This week, we're loving the over on Ricky Seals Jones fantasy points, the over on James Robinson rushing yards. You can go to 444.com and check out all of our prize picks. Uh, picks in the Price Picks article. Download the Price Picks app today, or visit PricePicks.com. And if you deposit this week with promo code four for four, that's the number four F O R, the number four, you will get a one hundred dollar instant deposit bonus matched dollar for dollar. Price Picks is hands down the most fun, fast, and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. PricePicks.com. Play today, Matt. Welcome to the chaotic week six um we have a 10 game slate and on the shortest slate of the year we have a bunch of injuries uh how's it going good good i mean yes it's been a little chaotic for us the content makers for dfs but i actually think for dfs players there's been a little bit more clarity than we're currently thinking about because i know you and i have been swimming in edits of basically every single piece of content Man. we've been doing all week this week yeah this but i digress yeah, this morning this morning as soon as we started putting uh putting out content we just got hit with the wave so we're, we're going to cover those and then we'll talk about how those fit into our strategy but uh we will we will go into it and um and, and go throughout our values and, and and hopefully touch on guys that won't be impacted by the injury bug uh, so let's see who you got start at quarterbacks. Uh, who are you looking at this week? Hopefully not injured. Yeah, hopefully not injured. And yes, there is an injury that is applicable to this player, but I really like Taylor Heineke. And I know I'm not the only person in the industry talking about this Kansas City Chiefs Washington football team matchup. And for good reason here, we got the Kansas City Chiefs who are in as close to a must-win situation as you can be in for a week six team but truth truly in the afc with so many stacked teams i'm very concerned about a squad that starts two and two and four yeah. so uh, while i'm not super concerned about the chiefs ultimately losing this game their defense is certainly bad enough to be losing their team games i i mean they're ranked at bottom five in most main metrics for defenses that we're looking at right now 31st in yards per pass attempt allowed 32nd that's dead last in points per play allowed and 25th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses i saw a great tweet this week that said patrick mahomes looks like a player who's trying to score 21 points on every single pass yeah. because he knows his defense has given up seven points when yeah. he comes off the field and so it sets up the situation where we have condensed target shares on both sides of the ball. We have an offense in Kansas City. We have very little concern because certainly Washington's defense has underwhelmed this yeah. year. And so Washington is going to be forced into catch-up mode. That's what a mm -hmm. lot of people are seeing. I think the shootout potential is really high yeah. so long as my receiver value 
plays this week. And I'm hopeful, even though he was a DNP today on Friday. Yeah, um, that that can have a huge impact on the game. I mean, just from a a standpoint of these two teams and, and how they've been performing, um, these two defenses specifically, every single team, like the the, the implied totals over unders for both of these teams have been high every week, and they're still scoring above it, still giving up points above that number. Um, every team has went over their implied point total against Kansas City by an average of over a touchdown. So like. They're, they're giving these teams high implied point totals for underdogs. We see Washington with an implied point total over 24. Teams still hitting the over by a lot. Four of five teams have hit the over against Washington. Uh, if you combine the numbers, we've seen these two teams give up 81 total points over their opponent's implied point total. So um, it, it should, the, the shootout should um, be in full effect. I mean, even with some injury news today, I, I haven't seen the over under the, or the implied uh, point totals move much. So hopefully uh, things will still go off as planned in that game. Um, I'm staying up in the expensive quarterback tier. Lamar Jackson, 8,200 on FanDuel, 7,400 on DraftKings. We have the Ravens favored by two and a half, projected for 27 points at home against the Chargers. And we know what Lamar does on the ground. Uh, he's giving us 9.2 fantasy points per game on the ground, but they're finally letting Lamar throw. They're, they're middle in the pack of pass attempts. Like They're never going to be at the top of the league and in, in total pass attempts, but that's not what we need from Lamar. We just need him to, um, you know, give us, give us enough to like quote unquote unleash him. Now, after last week's big game, he's averaging over 300 yards per game uh, through the air, which uh, if, if we get that from Lamar all season, I mean, that, that's QB one all over it. Uh, he, he's given us a, if you're playing on DraftKings, a 300 yard bonus each of the last two weeks, as you noted in your article, he's the only player, only quarterback that has a 3x projection on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he is um, his value score 50% higher than even the quarterback, too. So he is our top value on both sides of quarterback by a big margin. And people might look at this Chargers defense and have some reservations about it. Uh, the one thing they're going to do, they're going to let teams run. Obviously, that's good for Lamar. And they're, they're, Raw numbers are, are really good, but from an efficiency standpoint, they're not that great. Uh, quarterbacks are middle of the road in fantasy points per pass attempt allowed. Um, they haven't faced a, a ton of pass attempts c compared to some other teams. So I think Lamar can still have success on the ground and through the air here. Oh, totally. I mean, it's so exciting. I don't want to overreact to just one game because I know the Colts secondary was beat up and PFF had the graded really badly already but the narrative with Lamar Jackson is if you can force the Ravens to play from behind force Lamar into pass first mode he can't come back because they are yeah. such a rush heavy yeah, team yeah. and that is exactly the narrative he overcame on Monday night and what I'm noticing too is that the the passing yards really really showed up in that overtime game but the air yards have shown that these this type of passing potential has been there for a few weeks 472 air yards in week three, 424 air yards in week four, and actually just 304 air yards in week five. So he was more efficient in uh, its pacer, uh, passer air conversion ratio, but still the sky is the absolute limit. I don't know if we've adjusted to the QB1, the mega QB1 overall potential that he could have if he plays like he did on Monday night rest of season. Yeah, and Pat James noted in his article on 4 for 4 that we kind of got a, a little bit of a primetime discount. Like if he has that game on Sunday, his salary is probably way higher than it is, but salaries came out before that big game on Monday night. Um, so that helps us with a little bit of value. Um, moving on to running backs, we got some news uh, early today that Nick Chubb is out. So, I mean, in theory, Kareem Hunt is the over, top overall value um, on the slate on both sides. He does have a questionable tag. So if you look at my content um, this week, I, I haven't put him in as a smash cash game play yet. I, I don't know how serious we have to take the questionable tag, but the way this week's going, if it's going to go the way of everybody else, I mean, it it could be, you know, who, who knows? I mean, a questionable tag is a questionable tag. So um, just, just keep that in mind that, that if he – if we do get complete clearance on Kareem Hunt, he's the top value. But outside of him, who are you looking at this week? Yeah, that's a perfect segue to my player because I know I know this is simplistic and this can get us burned sometimes because there are questionable tags can mean very different things, especially on Friday. Especially when now. We yeah. yeah, but just look at the number of questionable tags at the running back position, especially at the premium tier. It's dazzling. It's dizzying. It's not, it's not, not good. Dazzling. We'll say that. So 
the only person that I'm looking at who doesn't have one is Austin Eckler, who's been nothing but spectacular over the first five weeks of the season. This entire offense is performing at or above expectation. And Eckler currently leads all running backs in fantasy points over expectation. While he's a little bit of a better value on FanDuel than DraftKings, what I love about Eckler specifically is that he's not even on the field for something like 80, 90% of snaps. He's only around... Uh, I guess he's right around 80%, excuse me, but he's still not an every snap player. It's his receiving totals that make him so valuable. Five plus targets in four games after that uh, week one where he didn't have any targets, had people panicking. I know he's number one in touchdowns, which can lead people to believing he's a regression candidate, but then look at the underlying usage. RB2 in slot, slot snaps, RB7 in fantasy points per opportunity, RB7 in fan, in yards per touch. This is a player who's as elusive as ever and now is in the best offensive scheme of his career. I'm not going against him, especially in this expected high total game against the Ravens. Yeah, the um, the the high end running backs. We already got a, an out designation on Christian McCaffrey, and it looks like Dalvin and, and Joe Mixon apparently Dalvin's not on the injury report. Joe Mixon, the report is he's going to get his normal workload. Um, I, I I don't think they're slam dunks this week just because we saw Joe Mixon be active last week and have what he played thirty five percent of snaps or something like that. Um, and and Dalvin. I, I guess you could play him in cash if you want. Um, the matchup's not good against Carolina. Their run defense is number one and schedule just fantasy points allowed. So I, I still think when you combine um, the risk of re-injury, just because we've seen him try to play, come off field, play limited snaps, the Austin Eckler is really the only guy I'm paying up for at running back this week. There's a ton of running back value that I just don't think you have to do it with um, Henry and, and CMC off the slate. If you go uh, a little bit further down in value or, or in salary, Jonathan Taylor's a guy that I'm looking at 7,500 on FanDuel 6,600 on DraftKings he checks all of the boxes for us this week they're 10 point favorites uh Taylor is averaging um 17 and a half touches per game he has a season high four targets last week we saw him take that uh that one screen pass to the house for what was that 70 75 yards so, so nice. if, if yeah, if, if he keeps that up, his value only goes up and he does have a ton of touchdown upside. Second most carries inside the 10 yard line behind only Derek Henry. He has four for fours, uh, top three running back value on both sides. So, uh, th that's where I'm looking there. There's a couple of guys here that are, um, that are really big favorites, but Jonathan Taylor just stands out to me because I think I could see his, like, he's kind of neck and neck with Derek Henderson. I could see Jonathan Taylor's workload ascending just because he is so good and like they're not going to lean on Carson Wentz. So, so like, especially, um, you know, in these types of games, whereas the Rams, I mean, they can decide they're just going to throw it 70% of the time and Henderson's going to be fine. But I think, um, I, I like to think that Taylor starts getting back to that, like 20 plus touch range. And, and this could be the game for it. I dig it too, and I'm noticing too that he was used more on third down. Remember that big catch and run came on third down where they typically yep. used a mm -hmm. spell back like Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines actually had zero receptions in that game on Monday night. So I would love to see more of a snap share for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, if he starts to get something like a 65, 75% opportunity share in this offense, right now it's yeah. only at 58. Yeah. Yeah, true that, RB1 potential with a, a little bit more in the receiving game. And that's what we saw down the stretch um, last year. So I think this this week can be the beginning of, of what we saw late in the year. Let's move on to receivers. One of the uh, maybe the most important, two most important is injury designations are wide receivers in the Washington um, Kansas City game. And, and you like one of the guys from there if he's active. Uh, who are you looking at? High endish wide receiver. Hi, how could you not? like Terry McLaurin mm -hmm. this week. Number one in our breakout receiver model and only underperforming his expectation by a little bit, I should add. But the one scary part about McLaurin is that he didn't practice on Friday. Mm -hmm. And now we saw some diverging reports here. I saw NBC Sports Edge, formerly Roto World, talk about the Friday DNP being typically the most dreaded time to suddenly be a do not practice. Uh, and so I, I was initially very concerned then uh, a senior writer for the Washington Post 
within the athletics said that it was he was held out of practice out of an abundance of caution that was mm-hmm. a direct quote from ron rivera so i get a little bit more hopeful about mclaurin's status for sunday and truly with the way that the washington offense is injured right now i get concerned about this shootout potential if mclaurin sits yeah, i mean me he is the linchpin of this game hitting it's over in my opinion because if the washington offense has no mclaurin they have no weapons in my opinion not i mean antonio gibson does look like he's gonna play but diami brown has been a question mark all season adam humphreys is really more of a slot target he's not taking the top off of a defense and curtis samuel is definitely out this week so i just don't know what you're gonna do i guess deandre carter's getting another eight targets maybe but he's gonna turn that to another 45 yards Right, right. <laughs> We're really, really hoping that McLaurin plays. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's the wide receiver five overall in target share, the wide receiver four in air yards. And you shouldn't be surprised then that at four for four, he's our wide receiver four in mm-hmm. projections, but he's the wide receiver nine in salary on FanDuel. Yep. So I- I'm all over him as an easy value play. Please play Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they said that the dreaded did not practice on Friday. A couple of blurbs down, they said, don't worry about Allen Robinson's did not practice on Friday because he usually plays through it. So take that um, with the grain of salt, I guess. Um, if if we usually don't do this, but we do have a, a obvious caveat with the, the did not practice on Friday. If he doesn't play, is there somebody else? Um, maybe in a, it doesn't even have to be in a similar range, but just another receiver that you're really liking this week um, that isn't your, your second value. Yeah, this is really just an excuse to talk about Jamar Chase because, of course, you know, as a stats guy, I'm always talking about regression candidates. And that's why we even have the breakout receiver model because of positive regression and a 20.8% touchdown rate would usually scream regression. But we're doing things now like comparing Jamar Chase's early rookie season to Randy Moss's early rookie Mm -hmm. season. Now, I'll remind people that Randy Moss went absolutely nuclear in November and December of his rookie year. So Jamar Chase has a long way to go if he wants to have a season like that. But he's been nothing but impressive to begin his uh, to begin his rookie season. And the thing I'm really liking is the increase in targets that we're seeing Mm -hmm. Uh, weeks two and three. He had four and five targets the last two weeks. He's had nine plus targets. That's really great to see. PFF has him graded as the number two overall wide receiver cornerback matchup. And Detroit's defense has been abysmal. Dead last in yards allowed per pass attempt and 29th in points per play allowed. Easy choice for Jamar Chase. I know he's the most expensive, but he's absolutely my favorite of the three Bengals receivers. Yeah, the thing that I loved was that we saw him with T. Higgins coming back last week. We saw him still get a 27% target share. Um, he leads the league in fantasy points on targets of 15 or more air yards um, by like a huge margin, by like 25% or something like that. And Detroit's allowed the most completions on such targets. So Jamar Chase in a really good spot this week. Um, I'm going to go with a, a very um, good value play in a high, what should be a high scoring, which Sam Hoppin calls the best scoring environment for fantasy. Um, I, I talked about Lamar on the other side, Keenan Allen at 7,400 on Fandle, $6,400 on DraftKings. Basically, you're getting the same volume as Mike Williams at a, at a really big discount. Um, $900 discount to Williams on Fandle, a $1,700 discount to Williams on DraftKings. And I know Keenan Allen hasn't obviously hasn't been scoring the touchdowns, not getting the deep balls that Williams is, that, uh, that everybody's been talking about the the Michael Thomas role as the X in this offense, which is fine, but Keenan Allen still leads the team in targets, still leads the team in red zone targets, tied for the team lead in targets inside the 10-yard line, well above average in weighted opportunity, well above average in targets per route run. So he's getting a huge target share um, in one of the best offenses in the league. It just hasn't been going nuclear like Mike Williams has, but Keenan Allen's going to have his um, his spots where he does have the better game than Mike Williams. And now that we're seeing this huge gap in their salary, uh, this is a week where I want to play Keenan Allen. When you're going to get the salary discount and the ownership discount, cash or GPP, I just love Keenan Allen this week. And, and this game um, sets up really well for both sides. So uh, loving Keenan Allen there. Uh, who's your, since we had an injury on your first guy, who's your third favorite value or, or third value played to discuss this week? Yeah, you get a little bonus receiver here. 
Uh, I really like Michael Pittman really, really sticking out as just a fundamentally mispriced, missalaried player mm-hmm. right now in that he looks like the true primary wide receiver that the Colts drafted him to be. And now I do kind of agree with you that especially in a game against Houston, they may not lean on Carson Wentz's arm because they don't expect the Houston offense to do as much as the Baltimore offense would do against them. But still, I love seeing six-plus receptions in four straight contests yep. for Michael Pittman. That's great. 9.8 targets per game over the last four weeks. That's nothing to scoff at. And 14th among all wideouts in total targets. So when you're talking about him playing a team in Houston that's bottom 10 in yards allowed per pass attempt and in points allowed per play, you know, and they're also giving up above average adjusted fantasy points to opposing mm-hmm. offenses. It kind of screams all systems go. I was, you know, I'm not quite ready to debut it, but basically using a simple linear model of our value projections and salary. Basically, it looks like Pittman should be having a 7,200 salary, something like that. And it's down at 5,800 on FanDuel. So just really, really mispriced underpriced right now and so i'm going to take that value all day when when are we going to get the debut of that model i don't know i know i got to work <laughs> on the data viz we're we're getting there but what i'm all trying right. to i'm trying to compare right now just to go on a little tiny tangent is i as you would expect as salary increases mm-hmm. so too does value for the most part and so what you really want is to look at that just that simple linear line and see the distance that players are both positive and negative. And if you just look at it on a simple graph like that, Pittman is a complete outlier mm-hmm. sticking way ahead as just being simply missalaried this week. Yeah, and, and even though I, I don't think they, they might not have to throw a ton because of game script and they're probably not going to try to lean on Carson Wentz, when you have a player that's getting over a quarter of the targets, I mean, that's kind of what you're looking for, right? He doesn't necessarily need a, a perfect game script to go off, especially on, on DraftKings where the volume, the catches are going to can make up for any game script concerns. Um, you know, he, he can get there in, in three quarters against uh, the Texans in a game where um, Indy, Indy should score a lot of points and, and they're projected to score a lot of points. So I'm actually going to stay in that game and, and a guy that I also think his salary isn't as reflective of his usage, especially on DraftKings, um, Brandon Cooks. He's priced at 6500 on FanDuel, down at 5800 on DK, so pretty close to Michael Pittman on DK. Um, priced as wide receiver 17 on, on FanDuel, wide receiver 16 on FanDuel, so well outside the wide receiver one ranks, but he's seen opportunity that is pretty much only comparable to, to Devontae Adams. Um, second in weighted opportunity waiting to Devontae, top five in targets per route run. Basically, any usage usage metric you look at for Brandon Cooks, um, he's at or near the top of the league, top three in target share, tops in air yard share. So this, on the other side, we talked about the script for Michael Pittman. This should definitely be a pass-heavy game script for the Texans. We actually saw them do pretty good in, in the passing game last week with Mills. Um, and even if it doesn't go exactly as expected in terms of game script, this is a Colts defense that does funnel uh, fantasy points to the passing game. They're seventh in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, but they're 31st against quarterbacks and 21st against wide receivers. So uh, Brandon Cooks, I'm loving him this week. Uh, any other any other wide receivers? Uh, or wide receiver notes to make? Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate the fact that Terry McLaurin is really the the linchpin I have in my yeah. notes for this shootout potential of the Washington game. I just don't see it being a shootout if he doesn't. Yeah, play. if and we didn't even mention Tyreek Hill is like legit questionable too. So if if both of them are out, I think one of the big questions, and, and this is probably getting more into um, like, like tournament speak, but like yeah. what are we doing with this game? I would really pay attention to what happens with the game totals. If we see Tyreek and, and Terry McLaurin both out, I mean, the total will probably still stay above 50, but if it goes from like 54 and a half to like 51, um, that's a pretty big move. And and I think we might start talking about maybe fading the game or playing the Chiefs defense or something like that, um, because I think it will stay popular. Uh, I think Miko Hardman's going to be probably the best value at wide receiver if Tyreek is out. Um, but just lots of uh, lots of reasons to be in the 4 for 4 Discord this week. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely a week where the articles are getting updated Saturday and Sunday. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild on our end, but we're gonna keep you updated all the way through to kickoff. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll be around as much as possible, especially with that Sunday morning show. Um, I'll kick it off with with tight end because um, we're both gonna go high end here. Uh, Mark Andrews. I already talked about Lamar Jackson. I already talked about Keenan Allen um, on a ten game slate. Not surprising that we're really just gonna be focusing on a couple of games in pretty much every format. Uh, I, I like Mark Andrews. Mostly because you're getting the big discount from Travis Kelsey, $2,200 cheaper than Kelsey on FanDuel, $1,800 cheaper than him on DK. Uh, we saw last week he has, um, you know, going completely bonkers in his range of outcomes, which we shouldn't be surprised by. I think that this is a game that sets up for him to be the primary target for a lot of reasons. One, we have Sammy Watkins out, and a lot of people are thinking, oh, perfect. Well, Rashad Bateman's going to come in, and, and he's going to um, just absorb that workload. I mean, this is a rookie that didn't play with training camp, barely had any reps with Lamar because Lamar's Lam – people forget Lamar missed some of training camp with COVID too, so they have barely any reps together, miss, missed a lot of the early season. Rashad Bateman's great. He's a good receiver, great prospect. I think he's going to be great. I think if you have him in best ball, he'll probably get you some points down the stretch. I'm not ready to just like jump on him his first week. And the Chargers, what we've seen, if we go back to other great offenses they play, we've talked about the Chiefs a ton. What the Chargers do is they're going to limit the deep ball. They're going to let you run the ball and limit you to short passes. So we saw Travis Kelsey have the good game against them while Tyreek Hill doesn't. I think it's probably a similar setup here where I'd rather have Mark Andrews against the, the way the Chargers play than have Marquise Brown. Uh, Mark Andrews is tied with Travis Kelsey in expected fantasy points over the last three weeks that's based on our uh receiver breakout model that you've already mentioned and the, the chargers one week spot which kind of ties into exactly what i just said about how they play defense um is a tight end 23rd and schedule adjusted points to tight ends which makes sense if they're just going to not let you uh throw deep so when you do throw you have to dink and dunk makes sense a tight end will benefit there so it also makes sense that that's where they're allowing fantasy points um who are you looking at um Kind of, I kind of spoiled it for you, saying we both like the expensive yeah. <laughs> uh, tight ends. But uh, with Tyreek, Tyreek not playing, who are you looking at? Well, I think he may play. I heard that he looked quote his normal self mm. on Friday. We'll see what that means come Sunday. But I actually wrote in my FanDuel Cash Game article that I'm planning on going no lower in salary than Mark Andrews and. Honestly, I'm just kind of suggesting if you are looking to go way down in salary, just correlate it with your quarterback if you can. And speaking yeah. of a really good mm -hmm. uh, QB tight end correlation that works, but it's going to be a little bit more costly, is Travis Kelsey. Same game environment. I just can't get away from it here. Uh, Kelsey's salary is down on DraftKings almost inexplicably here. And our breakout receiver model, remember, it doesn't just include receivers. It includes tight end. And it's really, really exciting when you see a player as talented as Travis Kelsey as a positive regression candidate in this high total game where Washington gives up the most schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. And in general, they give up more points to wide receivers and tight ends than they do to running backs. So everything sets up so well in this matchup for the number one offense in the NFL and expected points added per play. He has had, he's had two down weeks in terms of production, but still 16 targets over that, that span. I hate to just say the man is due, but I mean, Mahomes bounce back game, sort of must win game, positive game script. We tight end, we favor tight ends on favorites anyway. I, mm -hmm. There's just so many reasons to go up at tight end this week, and Travis Kelsey is the best of the best. Yeah, I like the note you you just made um, at the beginning about if you're going to go down in salary, and I don't even think it's this week, but um, any week fit in some correlation with your tight end because it's such a hard position to predict, especially in the environment right now where there's like we we've seen over the last few years we have these top three or four guys, and then just kind of it's awful. Um, so why not instead of and try instead of trying to guess who is going to like pinpoint the tight end, it's it's really just kind of a a tournament strategy, but you can use it in any format at this position. Just correlate it with your what, what some kind of scenario with your defense, um, with, with your quarterback in a opposite of a pass catcher you already have uh in your lineup that locked into your lineup. 
because then you just you you have to be right less often, right? If if that game script goes according to how you're hoping it goes, then hopefully that tight end benefits instead of just hoping like, oh, this guy, um, Mike Osecki, that has seen saw 25% targets last week. Maybe he'll do it again. Uh, so I so I think that's a really good note. Um, I, I just wanted to mention this briefly because I, I do think it is interesting because we have the um the Terry McLaurin injury news we're waiting on. And I think Ricky Seals Jones is just going to be popular anyway. We don't talk about tournaments a lot, but like if I, I, I could see, especially on DraftKings where you really, uh, people really punt tight end. I could see Ricky Seals Jones, like getting over 20% ownership. Any chance you're, you're eating that kind of chalk in uh, tournaments? What? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't eat chalk on, on uh, bad I, players, he's not a bad on... players. Yeah. But like, you don't use when when a player who hasn't proven it yeah. is getting massive ownership because of expected game environment. That's not a situation I want to go to that player typically. Yeah, I, I don't think it's it's good process in tournaments to take a player like Ricky Seals Jones that could be in almost a quarter of lineups that's gonna see like you're hoping like for seven targets and a, and a touchdown like if you're really lucky i mean i guess you can make the argument if mclaurin is out We're not that saying he's, it can't happen no nah, but we just i mean there's even data that backs up if you the the teams that have done well when they've went with chalky tight ends it's it's typically been with the high end high volume proven tight ends like i, I just think this is a a really really bad um spot to eat the chuck but we'll talk about that more in the sunday morning gpp show this is just a value show so let's move on to the next position um any value defenses stand out to you this week well really it's the indianapolis colts when you see this large of a favorite at home you're probably thinking about that defense and you know i'm going to start off with the reasons that it could go wrong they got a banged up secondary and they weren't rated very highly as a secondary already going into Monday night's game where they got more hurt. Uh, they were second worst in the NFL in PFF's coverage grade uh, before Monday night. And now they're currently 29th. Houston quietly as well, the ninth highest in yards per pass attempt in the league through the first five weeks. So they haven't been completely inept. And that's what, what happens when you have multiple long touchdowns like they had last week yep. against the Patriots. But... I say all that, the Colts are still by far in our projections the highest value ranking, particularly on FanDuel. The Houston offense did have some signs of life, but they're still bottom 12 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses and bottom 10 in points per play as an offense. So I just think that when there is a lot of uncertainty, we're going to trust the Vegas odds makers to do their job very well, and we're just going to go with the fact that a 10.5-point favorite has a very high probability of just generating pressure, generating turnovers. A lot of things can go right for them that I want to try to get to them if I can. Yep, and both both sides have been pretty good about properly um, pricing defenses. It, we haven't had a lot of scenarios where uh, favorites are even like in the bottom half of salary. So if you are going to pay up um, – you might as well go with the team that's favored by double digits. The one team that does kind of stand out as as a defense that is isn't priced as a favorite or kind of affordable is Minnesota, uh, thirty seven hundred on Fanduel, twenty nine hundred on DraftKings. They're they're just a small favorite, but this is one of the best uh, defensive line versus offensive line matchups of the week. Uh, Minnesota ranks third in Football Outsiders adjusted sack rate while Carolina is a bottom 10 offensive line in that same category. And the Panthers uh, have an implied point total under 22. They have the fifth lowest implied point total on the slate. So even though it is only a one-point favorite for Minnesota, um, you're just saving a lot of salary and, and really like the only favorite that you're going to see that low. So if you are liking them and you are a new FanDuel player, uh, your day is about to get 20% better start playing fantasy this season with FanDuel and we'll give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 by going to FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. This is a big time bonus. All you need to do to claim it is make your first deposit. They have some of the best contest structures 
in the industry. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. Those higher stakes GPP structures are great, uh, really flat payouts for newer players. I really love their single entry contest. They have some of the best single entry contests, maybe the best single entry contest offerings around. Uh, every week I'm, I'm tweeting out the exact structures that I like. So make sure you go to my Twitter for that. Uh, if you don't like the traditional formats, they have a bunch of different stuff besides just the main slate games. They have single games. They have best ball. They have snake draft. You can even play private contests with your friends. Uh, there's an awesome slate of games on hand this week. A bunch of tournaments, including the Sunday Million, which I cover every week. Review, give you strategies on how to attack those large field tournaments. We've already talked about some of our favorite plays on Fandle this week. You talked about Michael Pittman at 5,800. I like Brandon Cooks in the same game at 6,500. So experience season-long wins without the season-long waits. Sign up today at Fandle.com slash DFS MVP to claim your bonus and start playing. That's Fandle.com slash DFS MVP. Age and location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. Matt, let's get into our theory segment today. Um, again, you suggested talking about the concept of leverage in GPPs. And then in Discord, we had a user that asked a question that was um, pretty much exactly that. Uh, his question was, should I be focusing on doing a group of leverage plays, for example, should he be taking the top owned players and finding leverage for all of those spots and then playing a group of them? Uh, or should he just be looking to build leverage around stacks and secondary stacks? Basically, the question is, how much leverage should I be using? Should I be looking for leverage at every single spot? Um Just to answer that question shortly, I mean, we're never going to be able to cover all of our bases. Um, in any scenario, whether it's player pool, whether it's getting leverage on the field, um, we're going to dig into the like the nuance of leverage. But do you want to quickly just talk about that specific question before we dig into leverage, like how much leverage you could get in a single week? Yeah, well, I do think what tournaments you're playing, how many people you're playing against really matters in the context of this question. Now, first of all, I want to say that thinking in this manner is absolutely on the right track yeah. is absolutely the way you want to go about thinking about leverage and let's go into the exact definition of mm -hmm. leverage because i think it really matters here in fact i've seen some uh, dare i say petty arguments about what leverage actually means in yeah. dfs and we're certainly not going to settle any debates here but we're not really talking about any sort of technical definition or statistical definition of leverage we're really talking about the looser definition of it from good old miriam webster uh i've just <laughs> copied and pasted it here it's a positional advantage the power to act effectively and i think that works really well here what you're talking about is specifying a process in this question above about how to find leverage but i actually think it's a little bit more of an art than a science mm -hmm. now if you want to turn it into more of a science i think you go to our gpp leverage scores at 444.com that can literally help you define your exposures to players yep. in if you are playing mass multi-entry in fact that is a process i do even when i'm not playing mmes just to see how that is lining up yep. but to answer your question really is it is different for every single player. Mm -hmm. When you play a Chiefs player and you have no Kelsey or no Hill in your lineup, that is a different amount of leverage if you're quantifying it than if you're simply playing a wide receiver against a chalky running back. Yep. So th the numbers really matter here. What you really need to think about, the one overall ar overarching question that you need to think about is what occurs when I'm right? What happens mm. when the event that I chose is happening that others didn't happens? And if a lot of things do happen, a lot of things go well, that's when you have a huge day, those number one winning tournaments plays. <laughs> you mentioned people kind of get into the specifics of what leverage means. And I, and I think probably what you're referring to is there's, there's all type of things that we can do and we're just being contrarian on what an actual leverage play is, what a pivot play is. Not, all of that is basically just semantics. Like we really don't care what you're titling your article or what you're calling a good tournament play. The point is when we're talking about leverage, we're talking, we're basically talking about what can we do in tournaments 
that's going to be beneficial for us that the field isn't doing. So we're gaining leverage on the field, right? So we don't care about the semantics. You can let Twitter argue about that. What we care about is are we figuring out a way to be better than the field? That's all. So whatever you want to call it, don't worry about that. Let people talk about that argument. And when you talk about the science of leverage, um, that is a discussion that is probably deserves its own theory segment on its own. And that's really getting into the nitty gritty of mass multi-entry. So when you get scientific with leverage, what we're talking about, you said exposure. So really what we're trying to do in those situations is get exact or as precise ownership projections as possible, and then decide how much exposure you want to a player and creating very specific leverage based on a huge Player, not a huge player pool, but a decent sized player pool with a lot of different lineups up to 150, depending on the tournament you play. And an example is if, if the, and usually this comes down to chalk players. So if a player is going to be in 35% of lineups, do I want to be on par with the field and have that player in 35% of my lineups? Do I want to be overweight on the field, have that player in 70% of my lineups? Do I want to be underweight on the field and have that player in 10% or even 0% of my lineups. So that is a huge concept that requires a lot of practice, um, a lot of rules in a lineup generator, and a lot of strategy that um, goes way beyond player projection and just looking at at a simple ownership projections. Um, some might argue that it, it, is, it doesn't even require much football knowledge. It just requires a, a, a lot of spreadsheets and, and ownership projections. But that's not what we're going to talk about here. We're just going to talk about the different types of leverage and how much you should be building this into your game and just different ways to think about it. So um, let, let's get into it a little bit more. I mean, you said there's there's no there's no way to answer just that question, um, but what are some ways that you're implementing leverage into your weekly process? Yeah, and so I'm always I'm all, I'm personally thinking about leverage from uh, sort of a backwards standpoint, meaning mm -hmm. what occurs most often yeah. and then working backwards from that not occurring. So in that regard, I really, really like how that Discord user was talking. Uh, I need to win, excuse me. Discord user, I need to win was talking about it because that's exactly what he's talking about. He's identifying the, he's using the wisdom of the crowd to identify the most popular players and then using his own knowledge of football to go against the grain of that. And really, if I could just try to define it, your goal here, it's do something, we'll call that thing X, do something X that has a realistic probability of happening that directly negatively affects others who did something else that assumed your thing X wouldn't happen. And in those situations, you can actually find leverage all over the place in situations where players are even just mildly popular playing the player who has a similar projection uh but half of the ownership is technically leverage but to go back to the example i used before it's most effective and uh, honestly this is what most shows like this spend their time talking about is it's most effective when you go against the grain of an extremely popular player mm -hmm. now i want to add one thing here personally i actually do do this backwards. I build a bunch of lineups first and then try to retroactively explain mm -hmm. the leverage built into the lineups or not. And that's how I define it for myself. That is much more art than science. That's why I personally want to balance that out using the strategy hub, using the GPP leverage scores, because I think they both have value here. And last thing I'll say is the more people you're playing against, the more leverage you're going to have to have. You're going to have to play a little bit of chalk, but way more contrarian plays the more people you play against. And so simply put, you need higher leverage options in mm -hmm. those tournaments. So in when you're when you're thinking about how you're going to to fit leverage into your lineups for the week, like you said, you're not necessarily starting there. You're building a bunch of lineups. I mean, are you typically starting with um, with a a player pool um, that that might have leverage scenarios. Like for example, if if there is like a, a Devontae Adams and a um, and a Aaron Rodgers stack that's going to be very popular, or like this week a Patrick Mahomes and his pat, pass catcher stacks that are going to be optimal. Are you building lineups with their pivots or leverage plays in there, or are you building first and then seeing like 
now a Aaron Jones fits into my lineups where I had Alvin Kamara. How are you kind of approaching that as far as your player pool goes? Yeah, so I actually do it both forward and backwards. I'll build mm -hmm. optimal lineups and okay. then go from those yep. optimals and pivot just to yep. the okay. contrarian plays. Sense. I'll use Jordan Vanek's article and, and yep. pivot there. Or I'll create very specific mm -hmm. rules or lock in very specific players and then generate a bunch of lineups off of that, them and just see which of those lineups built in the leverage, quote unquote, correctly for me. And I do think that if ever if there was an exact formula for yep. is this enough leverage for this tournament, we would simply give it to you and DFS would be a whole lot easier. But the bottom line is the reason it's leverage is because it has less of a probability of happening than the most likely thing. It just doesn't right. have a 0% probability of happening. So when it does occur and it affects again, negatively affects the things that were more popular, that's when we that's when we get big wins. So ultimately, I do think it is something that you just learn over time to see and on a slate like this especially, it can change on Sunday morning. Uh, what the actual leverage is when the chalk keeps changing up until kickoff. Yep. I, I think maybe we can we can get into a, a couple more specific examples about how we use it, how much we can use it in a week. If we just go through um, what I think are the most popular leverage scenarios for people that aren't familiar with the term or, or um, might not, it might not be apparent what every single leverage option is. I think these are the three most popular ones. So I think the three most popular leverage scenarios are just simple leverage off a teammate. I think this is the most obvious one. It's basically is if a passing game is popular, you can get leverage by using um, the other passing game by other players in the passing game or by using the rushing game and vice versa. If Aaron Jones is going to be popular and Devonte Adams isn't, you get leverage by using Devonte Adams. That, uh, to me, that's the very obvious leverage scenario. You get leverage within the same game. Look for the most popular plays, the most popular positions, and then do something different. If a running back is popular, use the opposing defense's leverage. Those are the scenarios that I think are the most obvious ones. Um, Another spot where you can gain leverage is just by using contrarian stacks, right? So this isn't necessarily leveraging off direct ownership, but looking at something like the, the Chargers and the Browns game last week, it was a game that just wasn't super popular and it went off and people that had that, um, that, that stacked that game climbed up leaderboards really quickly. So you're not gaining leverage necessarily like, off of a specific salary or off a specific ownership, but just that team or those players aren't popular. So you're going to be grouping contrarian players together and just lapping the field when it hits and then um, using salary for leverage scenarios. So an easy one is just simple price pivots. If you have a chalky player at $7,000, look at another player at the same salary, good position, way lower ownership. That's just a simple price pivot. You're still getting leverage because anybody with a similar build probably has that popular player. You're going to lap them with the less popular player or using salary just to flip a build on its head. If everybody's paying up for wide receiver and quarterback, you pay up for running back. If everybody's using a studs and duds approach, you're using a balanced build. That's going to give you leverage because even if you have popular players, you have them fit in in a different way than everybody else. So then you could be different. Um, so it's obviously going to be impossible to use all of these scenarios together. So what is your looking at that list of, of things? Are you, let's just start with the stacking. Are you typically starting with contrarian stacks, popular stacks, or even are you even starting with stacks at all? Yeah, I am. I, I actually should have mentioned that when I build a bunch, when I do the build a bunch of lineups process of my mm -hmm. week, yeah. I am building very specific rules, mm -hmm. including secondary game stacks. So I'm building okay. quarterback stacks and secondary game stacks with very, very specific, usually rushing quarterback exceptions to that. But that's really the only thing. So I'm building in the correlations we all know about into those lineups first and foremost, mm -hmm. and then just simply looking at some metrics like combined ownership and things like that to get a sense of where they belong. Are they super contrarian or not? Then I'm going to the player selection process mm -hmm. and we're talking about leverage in this situation. Now, my personal favorite that you just mentioned is actually the game specific leverage is finding yeah. games with players who you can actually project 
for pretty high totals, but because of the game environment not being as popular as another game on that slate, that's where you really can see situations where you didn't have to think that much outside the box because all the players in that game hit together. And so just talking about Sam Hoppin uh, picking out his favorite game environments for the week, that's going to be so helpful there. Personally, I think that's the best way to play it because it gets you out of the idea of projections. Projections help us figure out a decent lineup, but we don't get to first place with projections only. We have to nail something that that the rest of the field doesn't. And in my opinion, the easiest one is just say, okay, this 46-point total instead of that 50-point total, yeah. let's just build around those popular players or yeah. those less popular players. And, and I think that is, that is like you said, that's the easiest way to be good at tournaments. And, and when I say easy, like you're not just going to do this and you're going to start winning the millie, but you're going, you're going, you're, it's going to lead to less hair-pulling, so to speak. If you start with Patrick Mahomes... Travis Kelsey and Terry McLaurin, it's going to be really, you're going to be looking at the rest of your lineup and thinking, how do I need this running back defense contrarian combo? Do I need a random one-off? And now you're looking for all these random 5% players trying to build all these other mini correlations. But I, I think when you're starting with the contrarian lineup build, all of a sudden, or contrarian stacks, I'm sorry, all of a sudden, all of your other plays become really easy because your primary build is starting from a place of being different. So half of your lineup, if say if you're going with a full game stack, say a quarterback double stack with a bring back, half your lineup is already contrarian. So now you can just fit it, whether they're values, high on plays or not, you don't even have to think about it. What are the best plays that fit into that salary build? Um, and, and then you don't have to... Um, I, I just don't think you have to put as much thought into these nuanced plays, but the way let me, I, let me add one more yeah, wrinkle yeah. to that as well. If you're playing in a tournament where it is lower entries, like single entry or three entry, mm-hmm. you can actually add players. If you're doing this game leverage play and you can actually add more players, you can have a larger stack in those types of tournaments, yeah. especially if you're being contrarian, I remember, I believe it was week two when the Falcons were playing the Buccaneers. I had a single entry lineup that had two Buccaneers wide receivers, Tom Brady and Gronkowski, understanding that likely what was going to happen is one of those three wide receivers or tight ends was not going to hit. But ultimately, mm-hmm. those all they all hit, and there was other problems with that lineup. But you can make those decisions when it's a single entry, a three three entry tournament, because you can get one thing wrong and still get to the top of those tournaments. Yeah, and and the 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 reason that happens, single entry, three max, especially smaller field, like let's say under a thousand people, if if it's going to take two hundred fifty points to win something like the millionaire in those in those smaller tournaments, it might take. 210 points 200 points so basically instead of needing a 99.9th percentile score you might just need a a 94th 93rd percentile score so basically you have to get less things right you don't have to be perfect so if you could get that game environment right and you know the 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 fourth player in your game stack doesn't go off for 25 but they get you 16 uh then you can really start climbing up the leaderboards the the thing that i think i do and i I do typically like to start with contrarian stacks when I can, but when I'm looking at the slate, I'm looking at, first of all, I'm trying to figure out what is going to be most popular because it isn't just always the team that's most popular. We've seen it in the last few weeks um, until this week. We haven't had a lot of players with like 40 or any players really with 40% ownership even over 30% ownership. So in those scenarios, you kind of have to think, well, if I'm not going to have some uber popular offense or crazy owned player, like above 40%, what's going to be the most popular thing? Uh, The easiest thing is contrarian game stacks. And then what is the obvious quote unquote obvious build? And we see this a ton on DraftKings. If you get two or three pump plays, you can really kind of decipher what the field's going to do in terms of how they're going to build. Usually some kind of barbell approach. Everyone's paying it up a running back, punting this tight end, Ricky Seals Jones or something. And then they're just kind of fitting in their wide receivers. Just flip that on its head. That's one of my favorite ways to, to build leverage. Um, but it really just depends on 
what you think is going to be overwhelming the field that week. And the thing I talked about in week one, if you're trying to figure out, like instead of sitting it, looking at a slate and saying, where do I need to get leverage? Should I be looking at a mini stack? Should I be looking at a contrarian stack price pivots? I talked about this in one of the, the GPP review articles. Look for the spots that are going to give you the most leverage because we could find 15 leverage spots every week, right? So instead of saying, oh, I have this running back that's going to give me this leverage off this receiver, give me a running back that's going to give me leverage off the passing game on the other side, a running back that is going to be a price pivot off of another popular player, or even give me two running backs that are going to be able to do both of those things, but also flip the the field. Maybe nobody's pairing two expensive running backs together, so you get price pivot off of a popular running back and now you're playing two expensive running backs together when nobody else is doing that so i'm looking for the spots that kind of check as many leverage boxes as possible and then i can really start narrowing down instead of thinking about my player pool narrowing down my leverage spot so looking at the most leverage possible and that calculating the most leverage is Mm -hmm. something that an optimizer and most tools right now really can't calculate because if you think about it it has to do a ton mm-hmm. of background calculations yeah. in order to really understand the type of leverage based on all the people not in that lineup. It would be a ton, a ton to do. You could see sort of a next-gen optimizer and then something like the correlations tool that we have for for four eventually building in the ability to do something like that. But right now, that is something that you need to do yourself. And it is obvious in these situations like this week it's all about this washington kansas city game where it's very easy to just get contrarian and then if that thing goes right you have significant leverage but calculating it that's a that's a really different story so yep uh i just want to shout out to i need to win again because he actually has a set of heuristics he's looking at this top tier Mm -hmm. and he's going through certain players now the amount of people like you said play at least three that changes based on what type of contest you're playing but this is exactly what we're talking about. You're going to have to figure out your own way. Yeah, and the beautiful thing is even when, even if a, a lineup generator or a tool spits something out that shows you a player that is a leverage play, a price pivot, um, and and like flips a build, people are still, there's still going to be a human element. Uh, people are still going to look at the player that comes out, and there's a reason that player is a sub-5% player, right? They're going to be like, oh, um, it gave me Allen Robinson. There's no way that's right. I'm not playing Allen Robinson this week. Just check out my mentions from last night if you don't believe me. Um, so let's look at uh, – ju- let's just go over some quick since we kind of covered like all these different leverage scenarios and, and how we're talking about them. Let's just give a, a quick example or two. What, what do you think the best leverage spots of week six are? Uh, just fading Kansas City, Washington. <laughs> okay. Just assuming it, it totally bombs as a play. Yeah. Or just playing an onslaught, maybe the mm-hmm. Chiefs onslaught. Yeah. Um. That would be that would be solid leverage. I think it would just be downright contrarian to just play no Chiefs at all yeah. in this spot. But uh, I think in general, game stacking around something other than Washington and Kansas City, and honestly, other than Los Angeles and Baltimore, is probably going to be solid leverage this week in general. Yeah. There's only there. This is a really good week. Um, I think last week was a good week and, and I wasn't on the Chargers Browns, but even going, even though I wasn't on that, I said it was a good week to go contrarian in terms of um, games, just because we didn't have a lot of crazy high scoring games this week. I think it's another good week to go contrarian in games because we don't have 13 games. We only have 10. So we basically only need two games to not go to scenario to, to the expected scenario. And um, it's really good. I think the most obvious leverage is is that spot as well um I, I think a really good way to get leverage on the field if that game goes awry is daryl williams with the chiefs defense if he gets early touchdown um uh variance and the defense scores a touchdown or the chiefs decide hey we don't suck stop talking about that we're just going to blow the doors off these dudes and the chiefs are in this crazy good scenario um their defense even though their defense isn't good which is why we saw cowboys get relatively low ownership they get a late touchdown because they're up big last week if you have cowboys defense you're dancing um so i I like that spot again uh, again this week um with with the big favorite and talked about the running backs no cmc on the slate already 
I don't think a lot of people are going to be Dalvin beyond Dalvin. Everybody's going to be playing this middle running back tier in tournaments. I think a really good way to flip the build this week and cheap running backs because of guys like, um, Darrell Williams, Khalil Herbert, um, uh, I can't think of another one, but there's a lot of cheap running backs available this week. If you play expensive running backs this week, like Dalvin, I think that's going to be a really Dalvin and Joe Mixon. That's going to be a really good way to flip builds this week too. Um, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, we're underrating the Cowboys this week. The Patriots defense ooh. is not ooh, that ooh. great. I like that. We I like that a lot. Just saw the Houston offense score multiple long touchdowns in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. They're right, just right at average. And I just think all the Cowboys have done this year offensively is impress. They could Love absolutely it. smack the Patriots and Ooh, I like that. Lamb and Cooper could go off. Honestly, I love that stack. I love that call. Um, Thank you for watching. If you um, if you're here on YouTube, make sure you are checking out our podcast. Subscribe to that, please. That helps a ton. A lot of our shows go on there. If you're listening on audio, go to YouTube and check it out there. Uh, please rate and review. If you are on iTunes, that helps a ton. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the Four for Four YouTube channel. Reminder that the DFS subscription did drop down to $74 from $99 this month. So make sure you're using the code DFSMVP to get 10% off. Um, if you're looking for another way to get our DFS subscription, head on over to 444.com slash prize picks. You could get one for as low as $20 for new prize pick users. Reminder about our other shows, Cash Game Review on Monday here on YouTube, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Every Saturday, Yahoo Values with Matt Harmon from Yahoo on the DFS MVP feed and the Yahoo feed. DFS GPP last look with Jordan Vanek Sunday, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time on the subscriber only discord. You, you can subscribe to the discord uh, right below this. If you're on YouTube, check the description. Follow us on Twitter. Four for four is at four for four football. Matt's at draftaholic. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.